Hey guys, how's it going? Happy Monday. Last week we hit you with the two boys from SUNY Canton. This week we are hitting you with the former assistant coach of SUNY Canton and current head coach of Arcadia, Vincent Petrangelo. Don't murder me for that, I'm sorry. AKA Vinny. He came on here to drop some knowledge for us, talking about his new school and the new adventure that he's taking on, trying to recruit a brand new team and put together a new program for Arcadia. He also talks about his former experiences as a player and coaching for Fair State and SUNY Canton, and he discusses his degree and how he is working with his diversity of not having a huge player resume to grow his coaching resume. So go ahead and give it a listen right after you buy a t-shirt and give me some five stars. All right, here we go. Hello. How are you? Sorry about that. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, I had uh, a player call me, so I had to kind of talk to him first so yeah of course definitely are you all recruited or are you still trying to find players so my team doesn't start until next fall okay so i'm starting from scratch so i have 11 right now so i need 15 more by next october oh my gosh do you have an assistant coach yet are you doing that all by yourself i do it all by myself jesus (laughs) i i don't know it's what i wanted to do i think Everyone I talk to is like, man, it's really hard. It's really hard. And I'm like, no, I think it'll be fun. But now I'm actually doing it. And I'm like, fuck, what I get myself into? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's a difficult time. I mean, no one's really playing or anything, so. Yeah. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of, like, video. Um, I went to a few training camps and stuff. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all comes together. Like, I thought we'd be pretty good. But now I'm basically like, whoever wants to come, come. Really? That's where I'm at, yeah. (laughs) Tyler was telling me that one of the Null teams just folded. Are you trying to grab any of those guys to come a year early or something? No. I mean, usually North, like, North American kids don't give me the time of day until, like, December. Yeah. They all think they're playing Division (laughs) One. Yeah. So. I don't know if you've listened to any of the podcasts, but there's one coach that I used to work for who coached for the Western State Leagues, and he was like, yeah, I would call kids and tell them that I'm, like, in the USHL, so they would call me back, and then I would be like, oh, yeah, that was a lie. Like, I just wanted you to call me back. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I don't I do not do stuff like that. I'm, like, a, I like to say more ethical recruiter. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm very honest, um, very upfront. So if a kid wants to hear me out, he'll hear me out if he doesn't. Like, I just went through it the other day. I talked to a kid at a camp, and I was like, hey, you know, what's the schedule of visit? I'll text you tonight about it. And he's like, yeah, for sure, all that. And then nothing. Can't get anything back from him, so. Damn. That's frustrating. Yeah, for sure. I'm used to it now. You lose more than you win at this level for recruiting, so. People yeah. are knocking on D3, but I think it's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've seen a lot of good players come out of Division Three. Like, a lot of players that I thought were better than some of the guys we had at Ferris when I was there. Mm -hmm. Um, But just for one reason or not, like, didn't make it. That's what they say. They're, like, the top D3 teams are almost, like, better than some of the D1 schools. 
I was just featured on another podcast that hasn't been released yet. Hockey Minds, have you heard of that one? I have not. How did that that. interview go? It was good. It was like about an hour long, but it's been all like like OHL or USHL head coaches and GMs and stuff. Um, But I'm on it just because I have a pretty unique like background, like uh, like I started in high school and now I'm head coach at D3 and that progression doesn't usually happen. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and I'm interested to talk about that progression as well, but why don't we start with your playing career? You played at Finlandia. Mm-hmm. How'd you like that? I love Finlandia. Like it was like honestly like the right school for me at the right time. So I'm from northern Michigan. Finlandia is in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. It was a really small school. They had the exact degree that I wanted at the time, and it just it made sense. Like uh, I loved everything about the hockey program. I thought it was like really unique. Had an unbelievable locker room and, and setup, and I had some really good teammates there too. I, I think my only regret is honestly not finishing four years there, but you know I only played two and a half, and I got hurt in my junior year so I didn't even play it all my junior year and I ended up transferring just because of like academics and just some other stuff and but I do I do miss it it was awesome had a really fun time up there and what was that injury that ended up retiring your career so I ended up fracturing my collarbone and captain mm-hmm. skates so I worked like really hard all summer it was like the first time that I actually dedicated like a summer to the weight room and because I was small, I think I came in my first year as like 150 pounds playing Division Three college hockey as a defenseman. So I needed to get bigger. And I made it my goal to get like to be at like 175 when I came in as a junior. And I came in at like 172, I think. So I was like super happy about that. And I was just like super confident. And then it was like my second shift of captain skates. I just kind of I got like awkwardly hit by a teammate nothing hard or anything and they just kind of went into the boards weird and I felt a pop and I've never been hurt like I never had any sort of injury that kept me out so I remember going back to the bench and it was like it felt like a stinger and I was like all right it'll go away and it just it didn't I remember like shaking on the bench and I'm like whatever I'm gonna try and keep playing and I tried to go out and play, and I got the puck, and I went to pass it, and I just hold my whole right arm didn't move, and then I that's when I knew something was like really wrong. When I got it looked at, and it was yeah like fractured right down the middle, and it was like kind of protruding out of my shoulder, mm-hmm. I guess. And then I also tore my labrum in my shoulder on the same injury, so that kept me out for like four months almost, and I just got to come back at like the semester break. But that's then when I made the decision to transfer. Just that was more based on academics, mm-hmm. and that was that was really hard because that transferring for academics basically ended my career. Like you know, and I didn't get to go out on my terms, so it was kind of tough. But I, I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. You know, that's what that happened to me for a reason. And you were majoring in health studies, or so I at the time I was actually in nursing school. Believe it or not, okay. I was. Uh, about a year and a half into my nursing school program and part of me fracturing my collarbone prevented me from doing clinicals and um, I just got like super behind in my in my coursework and clinical work because I wasn't I couldn't really do any of it mm-hmm. and you know I had tried to play catch up with it and in the end I just I couldn't 
I didn't basically make the grade that I needed to keep going in the program. And I was so close too. Like I was really close. And then I just thought at that time, it was just maybe a change for me to, you know, figure out a different career, career path. And that's when I decided to transfer and, you know, get a different degree in uh, healthcare administration. Okay. Gotcha. Jeez, nursing is a hard major. Yeah. It was tough. Like a lot of people don't understand, like, you know, and, and if you think about it, like obviously the nurse that you have, if you go to the hospital, you want them to know all their stuff, right? Yeah. So that means when they're in school, you know, the grades that you need to maintain are, are, are really hard. Um, just like, just like if you're going, you know, to be a doctor, you want the same thing. But like, I remember coming in every year, we'd have to take a test and, you know, you had to have like a 95% or higher on the test to just continue going in the program. And I think I was, I didn't meet the one, my, one of my classes, I got like a, half a percent away from the passing grade and it was tough because like I'd go to practice at 6 a.m. every morning and then I'd be at class a solid block of class from 8 to 4 I'd get an hour lunch break and then I'd go another solid like 1 to 4 class and then I'd go from there to the rank because I started coaching and then I'd you know coach uh, from like 4 to 6 and then I'd get done I'd have a little bit to eat and I'd just study all night and I'd repeat so it was a lot to take as a college athlete. Yeah, I bet. When I was in Utica, it was me as a business management major, and then my three roommates were all nursing majors, and they did not leave the house. So (laughs) I feel for you being a student athlete with such a tough major. Would you advise your upcoming players to go into that? Uh, I mean, I think it's Obviously, it's a harder course load, and as a coach, you have to understand what they're going through. Mm-hmm. If that's what they want to do with their career, I have no problem doing it as long as they know, hey, this is going to be a really rigorous schedule. Like for me, it was just like you know, I had that, I had that injury, and, and honestly, like I was still, my mind was really like just hockey, hockey, hockey focused. So I don't think I gave all of my time that I probably needed to nursing. Granted, I gave a lot of time to it, mm-hmm. but I, it's totally doable. But you just really have to be, you know, you really have really good self-discipline, then you can do it. I got, I got no problem because it's a great field. Um, it's a great field that you'll make some really good money in and, and have a very secure jobs. So, you know, that's why people are going to college. So yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. You transferred to Ferris State and then you got your degree from there. Were you coaching high school while you were getting your degree? Yeah. So that's how I got, that's how I initially got in, why I went to Ferris. So, to backtrack a little bit, when I came home, you know, when I made that transfer, when I transferred at the semester, I actually just took a, a semester off. So that really made me kind of think about what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. I, t- I thought about, like, keep playing. Hey, maybe I'll just, you know, go play a minor professional, Southern Pro League, Federal Hockey League, maybe somewhere over, over in Europe. But I was like, in, the, in my end, though, I want to coach. So I need to have a degree. I ended up meeting a guy over the summer who – was the head coach for the Big Rapids High School. His name's Tim Blaschel. We were working a camp together, and he, you know, just by meeting him and talking with him, he's like, hey, like, have you ever thought about going to Ferris and being my assistant coach? And I honestly didn't even consider it. I was like, nah, I'm all right. And he just kept on me all weekend. And I had another coach that was there who kind of pulled me aside. He said, hey, if you're looking to get into, like, a high-level coaching, this would be a really good opportunity. Tim's uh, – Tim's brother at the time coached in the AHL for the Grand Rapids Griffins, and he's now the head coach for the Detroit Red Wings. You know, at Big Rapids, they only have one rink, and that's Fair State's rink. So you're in, you know, you're always around that staff. Tim himself, like, you know, coached at Ferris for six years and 
knows a lot about hockey, so I'd be learning a lot from a guy that's probably well above being a high school coach. So then I looked into it. I looked into the school. They had, you know, healthcare administration, which was the route I wanted to go. It was super close to home. It was, you know, it fit uh, the price-wise what I was looking to spend. So I was like, why not? This seems like a good fit. And that's, you know, what I did. And I I coached um, Big Rapids High School for two years while I was there, finishing my degree. And then the third year was when I got the opportunity to coach at uh, Ferris State, which is the year I graduated. What was that like? So when I was at Ferris, like it was, that was probably the, you know, the best year of my life, like coaching wise, the, the amount of stuff I learned from that staff was unbelievable. I, like I constantly found myself writing stuff down when we'd be in like coaching meetings and practice planning, just things that like, I mean, I thought I knew a lot about hockey, but it really opened my eyes. So, and if I didn't write, write any of that down, I probably wouldn't remember it. So I had never had this black notebook. I still have it to this day in my office that it's just got a bunch of like my gibberish handwriting that I only I can decipher, I guess. But <laughs> it's just like little tricks and little things that I just thought were so intriguing at that level that I honestly had never even thought of. It really forced me to learn some new skills. You know, I had to do a lot of individual skill development, working with guys who their next step was trying to play pro hockey. So that was kind of new for me. You know, I had to learn some new skills myself so I could teach them them on the ice. I had to learn a lot about the uh, video, um, in-game tagging and, and clipping and downloading and all of that, which is something I never uh, did before. And then it all got tied together with us. You know, we ended up winning the WCHA championship and going on to the national tournament and being one game away from going to the Frozen Four. So, you know, that year when you sit back and look at everything that I did, that I learned and how, what the end result was, you know, it was something that it will always, will always carry with me to this day. Like, you know, in my office at Arcadia now, the first thing you see when you get in there is our, our team championship photo I have on my desk with our, like, with the hat that we won and the championship ring. So like, that's, you know, that's probably the, the, the defining moment for me so far as a coach. And it was such a great experience. And, and to this day, I'm, I'm close with everybody there. I try and go back at least once a year and go golfing with all the coaches and just see how everybody's doing. And, you know, they'll reach out and, and call me and see how I'm doing. And it's just, you know, it's crazy how small the hockey world is. And I'm ever so thankful for that opportunity there. Yeah, so you're happy that you listened to him and took the job? <laughs> yeah, yeah, now yeah, thinking about it, like, you know, just listening to one person, you know, give his, his his advice to, hey, this would be a really good opportunity for you to go there. And, you know, I did it, and, you know, it ended up winding me getting a Division One job. So, yeah, I was uh, really, really, really thankful now that I did listen to, to that guy. So you had just graduated from there, and then you kind of jumped into coaching there. Was it odd for you? Did the players know you more as, like, a friend or yeah. – yeah? Yeah, that was tough. I mean – there were there were guys on that team at Ferris. I mean, that I grew up playing with. There were guys that I grew up playing against, and I was the same age as like our senior class. So it was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I remember going, and there was one one player in specific that I literally grew up. I played on teams with him and and played against him. And I said, hey, you know, how do you think this is going to be this year? Going to work with me, like you know, coaching you guys and. He said, "Hey, like if you have something that's going to help benefit us as a team and going to benefit me to be to be better, everyone here is going to listen to you. We'll, we'll have no problems." And I I thought that was awesome to hear because I was I was nervous about that. I mean, it's always tough being young and being 
you know, trying to transition. But those guys, their mindset's completely different where they all they want to do is get better and they want to try and get paid to play hockey. So anybody that's going to help them, they'll 100% listen to. And that was, like I said, that was very, uh, really grateful for me to hear. Um, and really helped me kind of ease my way into it. Cause I was, I was super nervous going in. Like even on the ice, I didn't really want to talk a whole lot. And two, I was still trying to learn. Like, you know, I, I look at that whole year at Ferris being a very big learning year for me. So I'm trying to learn so that my next step, I can really implement everything that I'm doing here. So, and then you went into coaching for student Canton, which is a D3 school. So what was that transition like? Did you notice a big difference between the D1 players and the D3 players? I'll say the biggest difference I've noticed is just like that mentality. Like at the division one level, we had guys that we had to like tell to, to get out of the gym. Like, Hey, you're working out too much. You're literally doing too much. You're burning your body out versus division three. We sometimes have to beg guys to get into the weight room. And like, you know, there's really, really talented guys at the division three level. Right. So I think there's a lot of guys that can play up at that division one level, but division three level, I think a lot of guys are there just for one thing or another. They're missing a few different skills. Maybe they developed late. They didn't, uh, they didn't really pass clearinghouse, stuff like that. You know, the, the, the season was a lot smaller. So you're going from, I think we played close to, I think we played 41 games when I was at Ferris. Then we played like, we only played 25 in division, division three. Your season starts way later, you know. The guys, you know, Division One level, obviously we get a lot more stuff at the Division One level than Division Three. But for me, I got to take on a lot more responsibility at the Division Three level, which was, you know, what I was looking for. I made the choice to go to Canton because I had a really good boss uh, there at Canton that was really going to help me and really help me get to my next level. So I, I wanted to be a Division Three head coach. And I figured the only way to go be a Division Three head coach is to first be a Division Three assistant. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Canton was an independent school. Um, they still are, so that means they're not in a conference. So it's very hard for them to to, to win. You know, there you immediately have a group of players that, you know, when you try to recruit them, won't go there because they don't know what independent means and they feel like there's nothing to play for. So... Ultimately, I thought, hey, like if I can help turn this program into a winning program and a, a true college hockey destination, I'll probably have, you know, open, it'll open some doors for me. That with having the, uh, my boss, Alex Boak, there, who to this day is one of, my, one of the greatest mentors that I have, really say, hey, like this will be me and you building this program together. I'm going to, you know, whatever you want to do, you'll get to do, and we'll, we'll take it one step at a time, and we'll really, we'll really build, a, get to build a college hockey program together, and um, I thought that was great. That's what I was really looking for. He was the assistant before me, so he knew kind of everything the job entailed, and he knew, you know, I was going to take, I wasn't going to make a whole lot of money for a few years. I mean, he really helped me. Like, he took me in. I think I lived with Alex for three months before I found my own place. He just wanted me to get there and get adjusted, and I don't know how many head coaches that would do that. I mean, he just really looked out for me, and from some of the other jobs that I interviewed at and I just, I really didn't get the same feel, and I thought, you know, this guy's really good at the end of the day, going to have my back, and that's what I wanted, and, um, you know, it translates to how well that program's done. You know, we, we when we took it over, I think they had six wins, and by our third year there, which was our, our second full recruiting class, you know, they were all the way up to 14, so... You know, it was a lot of fun, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of the Charlotte guys that I brought up there, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. We definitely will. They're so funny. I have so many questions from what you just said. 
And I think the first one would be, can you explain to me how they decided to be an independent? Is that the coach's decision or is that more like on the school and it correlates with all the other athletics? How does that work? Right. So, no, they didn't decide to be independent. Yeah, they Canton for forever was a two-year school, so they were a junior college. They decided to make the transition to a four-year, I believe, in 2007. And then they had uh, all of their athletics finally went full-fledged NCAA Division three around, and this is before I was there, so I want to say around 2013, 2014. We were told uh, when we... When we went that route, when we started uh, our NCAA hockey program, that we had to be at least two years independent. So we waited our two years, and then now trying to actively uh, search for a conference that will let us in. Obviously, the obvious choice would be the SUNYAC because uh, SUNY, you know, we're a SUNY school. Mm-hmm. But as of now, the SUNYAC has not, you know, let them in. I have no idea why. I'm not part of those discussions. I'm not the one making the choice. Um, We've, they've looked at some other conferences when I was there, um, but, you know, geographically and just because of being a state school and, and, and trying to maybe get in a conference with a private school, it just it hasn't worked out. So, you know, we, we were actively, they're actively seeking to try to get in, but as of now, it's, hey, we're independent. It's known that we're independent. We're upfront about it, and we're going to try and make the tournament as independent, which makes it a little bit harder, but everyone's on board with it. Everyone's, you know, got the same goal. And, you know, we, we took that mentality of it's kind of us against everybody and we'll do whatever it takes to get there. And honestly, the, the one year we look back at it, that year we had 14 wins. I always would tell a guy is you want to shoot for like 19 or 20 wins is about the mark to get those last, uh, like, um, at large bids to get in the national tournament. We had 14 wins. We started out one and four. And we gave away two or three of those games. And then you start kind of adding it up and you're like, gosh, you know, if we didn't give those games away here or there, we might have been at 17, 18 wins. And then it would have been serious contention to maybe get there. So we were like, look, what we're doing is working. We just need to take that next step. But then that's when I ended up leaving to get my new, my new job at Arcadia. So. And then my second question was, do you think that's one of the things that's been able to help you move forward is the fact that you haven't really put the pay first as much as you put the passion for the game first because your job at Ferris was volunteer and then you just said that you know you moved to SUNY Canton knowing that you were going to like live with the coach and like take some time to build all up yeah you know I didn't get into this the game for money and I think as a young maybe for some other young coaches out there you have to know that you know you're, you're going to have to take some jobs that you might not like. You're going to take some jobs for less pay early. But if you look at a lot of coaches' track records, that's what everybody does. You have to you have to buy your time. I look at it like any other job. You don't just start, you know, being the, the manager of a company or you don't just start being the president. You have to work your way up, and it's the same in coaching. And I know, you know, I've had tons of people reach out to me like, hey, like, I want to get into coaching. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I'll – you know, I'm up front with them where it's like, hey, like, listen, you're going to have to volunteer your time. You're going to have to take a job for less pay. And some people just, frankly, can't do it. You know, for me, uh, at this stage of my life, I could, like, I made it work when I was at Ferris because I, I, I worked at the rink and I was able to make a little bit of money, right? When I was at Canton, I was obviously living with 
living with my boss really helped to kind of me get adjusted. And then I also had to work the job being the, uh, the director of intramural sports. So like I had to do other things to make it work. But at the end of the day, like I knew what I wanted to do and I, I was willing to sacrifice that amount of time to, to get where I wanted to be. Doing the intramural sports, did you play at all? I did. I made my last year, I actually made a staff team. <laughs> And we played indoor soccer. Um, and I, I love doing the intramural things. I always used to make all the guys like, hey, like, let's put a team in for this sport. We did that until Connor Tuttle rolled his ankle playing volleyball, which I don't even know how, like, he did it. But, and it was maybe like two weeks before the season. We had like a little intramural volleyball thing and Connor being Connor rolled his ankle somehow. And that kind of axed the guys from doing intramural sports before the season started. I think the hardest one, like I really wanted to do basketball because that was a really big one. We had like a really big league there for basketball, but I tried to, I'd always ref everything, but basketball was like way too complicated and went way too fast for me to ref, especially when I was a little hazy on the rules. So I actually had to hire refs for that sport, but intramurals was great. Like I had a really good staff that worked with me, had relatively no issues with the, with the players. I mean, sometimes some guys got a little over competitive with things, but I kind of wish I played more, but yeah, we did do the staff soccer, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you got on the field against any of your players and you took out like, oh, you messed up our drill one too many times. So I'm going to uh, embarrass you out here. No, no. I mean, <laughs> The soccer, I'm trying to remember who, the guys put a soccer team together too. It was Tuttle, Mayette, Needleman, oh man, I don't remember who it was. But they would run their mouth that they were like really good, and I don't think they were. <laughs> Although, me as the, me as being the, the coach that I am on our team, we ended up having our men's assistant soccer coach play with us who was a division one college soccer player and like played a little bit of like pro so we didn't have any problems like he would take (laughs) over a game if he needed to unreal so i want to give this guy a shout out because i forgot to do it earlier but nate callen asked one of those questions about ferris he's a recent ferris graduate and the next question was from Connor Tuttle. He would like to know who's your favorite player that you've ever recruited. Okay. So <laughs> this is going to be, this is tough because uh, I have like three that like I can't decide from. All right, T- Tuttle's one of them because Tuttle, Connor Tuttle's the first guy that I recruited to basically change the program. Okay. So when we were looking at trying to take our program to the next step, the first thing I did was I was like, I'm going to recruit somebody from Charlotte. And that ended up being Connor Tuttle. And Tuttle was the first one that could really see what we were trying to do. And I would text Connor like every week, every almost every other day. I'd watch every single one of his games. Even after he was committed to us, I'd watch every one of his games. And I was just really close with him. I, I, I waited, I think, the year that they – they lost the, in the national championship. I waited almost two hours after the game for him to get out of the room and, and talk with him and let him know that, hey, everything you know, was going to be okay. And, and I remember after I was leaving the rink, uh, his mom and dad stopped me, and they are like, you must really love your job to wait two hours for our son. And I'm like, no, I, I wouldn't be anywhere else, right? So he is, he's definitely, like, for me, like, 
one of those guys that is close um, just because of just how much we interacted and, you know, how he could see what we were trying to do. John David at Canton is another one just because he's one of the most talented players I think I've ever recruited. And he ended up finishing playing junior B in Ottawa. And that's a level that a lot of college guys don't recruit from. And that was always fun watching him and, and going to those games. And then like Kyler Matthews was a fun one too from the Toronto area. I wish I could put Barrow in there, but Barrow went to another school. So were you recruiting Barrows before he got into college or this summer? No, I recruited Barrow like Barrow and Tuttle came on the recruiting visit together. Oh oh wait, actually they told that story now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they came up with some other guys. And, you know, I know that he liked it, but he ended up, you know, going to Wilkes. And obviously it was, I think, for him, mm-hmm. like I've talked to him about it before, but I think for him it was the better decision for him at the time. Like, you know, he he's obviously killed it and got a lot of awards and, you know, couldn't be happier for him. So Tuttle is such a funny guy. <laughs> Let's see. McCormick also asked a question. Oh, we'll come back to his. I wanted to ask something else before that. So you got your master's degree from Cortland. Did you think about coaching there? Did you think about getting your master's from Cannon? So, yeah, I'm not actually, I haven't got it yet. I'm one class away. I'm currently taking my last class. Okay. Yeah, when I was at Canton, because I, like, I was looking at it and I, I wasn't getting paid a whole lot. I was like, I wonder what some, you know, what all my benefits are. So I looked at my benefit package and I got tuition reimbursement. I got one class a semester through any SUNY school because it's all one big system. So I looked at it for a multitude of reasons. I thought I should get it. One, it's free education. I can't pass it up. Two, like, I think it would help me get a head coaching job. Obviously, I don't have the, the flashy playing resume, mm-hmm. so I wanted to separate myself with education. And then three, uh, it would help me in the later half of my career if I wanted to, like, get out of coaching and maybe go on to athletic administration, being an athletic director or something like that. You know, I could do that um, when I'm older. So those are, like, the three reasons that I went into it. Um, obviously, Canton didn't have a master's, doesn't have a master's degree program, so I – I researched it. I looked at all the schools that had what I wanted, which was sports management, because I figured that's my career now. I needed a fully online delivery method because I'm not going to be in person. And the only school that offered that was Cortland. So, you know, I just, when I decide to do something, I go all in. So I, I think I got all my application and everything done and accepted within a week. And it's been a three year process. And like I said, right now I'm in my last class, which is policy and strategic management. And when it, you know, I can't wait to be done. Um, I never thought I'd go back to school, but here we are. I've learned a ton of stuff from it, actually. Like, it's been super helpful, um, which I, you know, going into it, I probably didn't think, but like just the stuff that I've learned, the, the classes have been engaging, the projects have been awesome. And, you know, like I said, it's been very, very helpful. What's carried over? Doing like uh, intercollegiate athletic management was one of my classes, okay. which was just basically learning how to deal with college athletics and me being an assistant coach for so long I never really got to see the a lot of the day-to-day administrative stuff that you have to do as a head coach mm-hmm. which now I'm I'm learning to do now so those classes really helped me for that like sports sports finance um, really helped me kind of I guess just be more organized with c- controlling my budget 
and, and really making sure I'm organized. We had to do like a, in my sports marketing class, we had to do a, a marketing project, um, for kind of anything that we wanted to do, but it really helped me realize, Hey, how do I want to market my team and, and what brand am I trying to sell here with Arcadia? Um, so just little things like that have been super helpful. And again, I, 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 those are the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. I know I'm missing a few, but so. Kylie just got in from practice and he's getting ready to go to golf. No, I'm late. Right? I'm gonna yell oh, he's at me. late to go. <laughs> I know I had a, a good one. I asked Strix if he had any questions for you. Okay. And Strix was like, uh, no. Yeah, no. And so he's super excited to play for you. And I was like, yeah. He's like, you're excited to have him. He's like, yeah, it's it's going to be awesome. So you got a good player there and a good guy. He's awesome human. All right, I'm out of here. Good talking to you. Yeah, it's good to see you, Tyler. <laughs> okay, so are you upset that you ended up not using your um, – my brain is everywhere now – the administration degree that you got? I'm, I'm not upset with it. Like, I knew I always wanted to do some sort of coaching, right? Mm-hmm. So – I figured I really didn't need any sort of, like, I didn't need, I saw some of my buddies, like, oh, I'm going to do sports management in college so that I can be a coach. But for me, I was like, hey, I'm going to be, like, I don't need that. I actually needed something if I didn't go into coaching to fall back on. Mm -hmm. And I did. I really liked, like, I love my healthcare management degree. I saw myself doing that. And I had, like, a nine-to-five job lined up out of college if that's what I wanted to do. You know, I would go, I remember I had an internship at a hospital. I'd get up every morning at 6 o'clock. I'd have to uh, put a suit on and go into work every morning with the shirt and tie. And when working on the business side of the hospital. And, yeah, I mean, I, I liked it. I could see myself doing it. But I could, it was mainly just so I could have, like, a fallback plan if hockey didn't work out. Gotcha. Yeah, that's definitely always a good thing to have. Was it bittersweet for you to leave the boys at SUNY Canton since you had been there for three or four years? Uh, like, I talk about it all the time, but that was probably, that's been the hardest thing I've had to do in my coaching career so far. Mm-hmm. Just because I came in with the seniors that were there, so that was the first group with me, and then I recruited every single player into the program from then. So all the so- all the sophomores, all the juniors, sophomores, and fre- freshmen at the time were all guys that I recruited. And if you talk to them, I'm a very personal recruiter, very close recruiters, and I can tell you how I recruited every single guy, something about, like, their family, where I first met. Like, I can tell you about every guy there. And I was just so close with them. And I knew that we had something special in the room that year, too, which made it tough. And I, I left late. Like, I thought I was going to be there the whole year. Like, I think I told the boys in September – so they were already there on campus, and it was, yeah, that was really, really tough, but they understood that this was my next progression to be a head coach. I think they kind of could see it coming just from how well we were doing and how I was as a person, so they weren't they weren't mad. Like, they were all happy, but I know that some of them were a little, like, upset because they didn't have me there, um, especially the freshmen, because... They haven't, they haven't really got to like, interact with the head coach a whole lot yet because it was just really me and helping them get there. I mean, some of them was like, honestly, I thought, you know, they saw a ghost. They were so white and like in the locker room, like they just got a bomb dropped on them because no one even knew that it was happening, that I was going there. And like, truthfully, I didn't either. It was, it was all a quick turnaround for me. I thought I'd be there. I got Alex, uh, my head coach promoted me to associate head coach and, 
I was really, really fired up because I was like, we're going to be really good this year. We had an awesome opening weekend that I was looking forward to going to Wilkes and going to Utica. And I'm like, man, this is going to be, that'll be a really good test for us early to see how we do. And, but uh, again, everything, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, but they weren't, they were, they were happy for me. But again, that was super hard for me to leave. I bet. And Brendan McCormick would like to know, how is the new school going? <laughs> yeah, BMAC. Uh, <laughs> I, I love BMAC. Like, he's an awesome person. And I really, like I said, I, I wish I could have been there to coach him this year. BMAC, the program's going great so far, man. I've got 11 guys right now. I still have a full year to go until we start. So I'm way ahead of the game. It's just a different school. So it's a different school than I'm used to. Like at Canton, you know, it's a, it's a state school, rank on campus, lower tuition. Now I'm at a private school, rank away from campus. It's expensive. It's hard to get into. So it's just me. It's been a transition of me learning the new school and then now trying to recruit to it. But it's going good. I'm really excited. Like, you know, I, I, I've got all the jerseys planned out. I've got the schedule already done. I have already know what kind of equipment I want to get. And all those little things that go into a program, I'm already, I've already kind of got done. Honestly, just the wait time now has been my hardest thing is trying to just wait until our first game. So Yeah, are you going to volunteer coach or anything in the meantime to keep your, you know, hockey fix going? I thought about it. I thought about volunteering, but honestly, like, I'm just so like focused right now on recruiting, like yeah. getting the team started. Uh, that's solely what I'm focused on. So, no, I mean I see enough hockey where I'm always constantly trying to learn right now. So even just watching like playoff games, I'm always trying to learn. I'm always listening to podcasts. I'm you know I've actually started reading books over quarantine. Um, so I'm always still trying to I guess tailor my craft and get better at it. I think this being behind the bench is like riding a bike. Like I'll be fine once that happens. But I don't know. A little anxious, but uh, I think I'll be okay in the end. All right. So when you were taking the job in your head, was there anything that made you nervous about starting a new program? There's always nerves when you're starting something new. Like, yeah, you know, it was my first time being a head coach, and I'm finding out now. I was actually talking to my old boss, Alex, about, like, when you're an assistant coach and you look at a problem, like – it's pretty. It's a pretty easy decision to make as assistant coach. You're like, oh, hey, just go do this or go do that. But when you're a head coach and you're facing the same thing and you're the one really making a decision, like there's a lot of there's a lot of gray area where you're trying to figure out and decide what to do. Like for me, I like I want to be and I want to replicate what I was able to do at Canton and and and, and uh, have a really good team and starting a new team. Sometimes you know it's going to be rough at the start, right? And I. But I don't want to be like that. Like, I want to be really good off the start. So sometimes that, I guess, worries me. I'd say the biggest, like, worry is, like, and it's just my own, like, my own anxiety with it is, like, I don't have a full team right now. Mm-hmm. Granted, I have a full year to to recruit, but, like, I want my whole team recruited and done, like, tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of my biggest thing that I've, I've, been, I've been worrying about, but. Like I said, I'm, I'm really good with, at what I do and a big believer in my own work. So at the end of the day, I know when we're done, we'll have a really good product on the ice. And where do you see your career going? Like, is this your end goal or do you want to keep moving up in levels? 
Yeah, I, you know, I think about that all the time on what I want to do. I love the Division Three level. It's, you know, what I played at. It's what I'm comfortable with. I could see myself here in Arcadia for a while, right? I will tell you my truth, Leah, my next step, my next goal, what I want to do is I want to be a head coach in the NESCAC. And I don't know why. I've wanted that for like five or six years now. Like that's just the level and the, the conference I want to be in. It's super high academic, very old school colleges, very hard to get into like as a coach too. But that's where I would want to go. Um, obviously like, you know, if I got to be at the division one level, I would go there in a heartbeat. I just don't know if that's, I'm not like pushing for it, I guess, right? I'm just going to be, I want to do well where I'm at and then see where, where I go from there. But I do have, I guess my, my first minor goal would be being a head coach in the NESCAC. But you don't see that as limiting yourself for recruiting because now not only do you have to look at their athletic ability, but you really have to make sure that they can get into the school. Right. Yeah. it is, yes, it is limiting the recruiting pool out there, but that just, again, shows how well maybe you are as a recruiter if, like, you can win with that limited pool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows about the doors that can open after it. So, no, I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is about that level, but it's just something I, I want to do. And, like, you can ask, I talk to everybody about it, and that, that's where I want to go. That's half the reason why I started um, getting my master's degree, too, mm-hmm. was to, to break into that. So Arcadia is a very similar school when I look at it. You know, we're not as prestigious as maybe a NESCAC school, but, you know, we have a a 3.7 average admission um, GPA and 25 ACT, 1150 SAT. So it's, you know, it's not as hard as NESCAC, but it's it's challenging to get into. So it's me kind of like, I guess I'm, 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 I'm learning some of it right now. And I forget where I ran across this, but I was doing some research on you, and I saw that one of the years that you were there, your team had, like, the highest GPA for SUNY Ken. It was, like, 10 of the players had, like, 3.5s or above. Yeah, yeah, that was that was one of the years. That's not really my doing, I guess, to be our head coach, like, just mm-hmm. really making sure and striving to make sure that those guys are doing well in the classroom. So those are more of the rules that he put in. But, I mean, a lot of those guys we recruited were already tremendous students to begin with. So that, that helped doing that. But we would really yeah, take pride in trying to be the the best academic team on campus. I think one of the years we were like second out of any team. I think the only thing that beat us was maybe girls golf, <laughs> but they had like five or six players and we had, you know, 25. Yeah. So what players are you looking for now? What type of, what's your ideal player for your team? Athletically or academically? Both both so obviously yes the first thing I look for when I go recruiting is I look at like their birth year and then what their grades are so birth year right now I'm looking for 2000s and then obviously I look for um kids that you know meet what our admission requirements are you know and when I say like you have a three seven average like there's kids that get in with below that right Mm -hmm. so it's not like oh they have to have this this and this Playing-wise, like I look for two skills to start, and that's kids that can skate and kids that have hockey sense. I find that those two things at the collegiate level are very hard to reteach. Like you can either skate or you can't, and you either know the game or you don't. Like if you're if you're weak, okay, we have a strength coach that can get you stronger. 
If you need to work on your hands or you need to work on your shot, okay, you work with me on your individual skill. But for me to have to reteach you how to skate or me to try and sit down and, and teach you how to play hockey, I feel like those are just it's two things that you um, you have to have. And then I usually look for like a third skill is what I like to call it. So have a third thing that you do really well because, again, I'm already looking for skating and hockey sense. So what's that third thing you're going to bring to the table? Whether it's, wow, this guy can really shoot the puck hard. You know, wow, this guy is really good defensively. No one beats him. Or this person is really good off of draws. So that's kind of my criteria for what I look for. I like to see I'm, I'm the kind of coach where, like, you have to kind of flash me a little bit. Like, I need to see it, see it out there. But if you look at a lot of guys that we brought into to Canton, like, a lot of it's true with, with those guys. Um, they have that, right? So, and I'm trying to do the same thing here. I have a kind of an identity for the team that I want to have. I want to be, you know, I want to play quick. I want to play fast. So, I, mean, I have to have everybody that can skate. They have to be able to keep up in that mold. And I want to have... You know, my lines one through four, I want a team to that we play against to have no idea which one's line one, which one's line four, because we all play the same, and we just come in waves. I like that. Is that one of the things you miss coaching about high school is being able to, like, form the players, and then now in college it's more like you just have to work with what they have? Yeah. So, like, high school, I, I, I mentioned this in another podcast I was on. High school is very similar to college for me when I look at it, because... Mm-hmm. High school, you have a group of kids that, like, want to move on and keep playing. Then you have a group of kids that are like, all right, I'm done after this. I don't, you know, this is my, these are my last years playing. And you almost have the same thing at college where you have that group that, okay, I want to keep playing. I want to go play pro somewhere. And then you have another group of kids that just, I, I just want to go get a job after college, right? So I'll say that the college guys are a lot easier to coach now and develop because they made it to a higher level. So even the guys that are like, I'm, I'm kind of done after this, like those guys will still work with you on, on, on skill development and stuff like that versus like the kids when I was in high school were just like, you know, get off, the, get on the ice and off the ice as quickly as they could. I wanted to talk about like why I started recruiting from Charlotte because I, I have a lot of guys from here, both on Canton and then at Arcadia. Uh-huh. So yeah, definitely. I want to I give every, those guys a shout out. For sure. Well, first off, you played in the USPHL, right? No. No. I played in the CSHL, which is uh, Tier 3 League 2, but it's no longer a team. I played for Metro, who is in the USPHL. Yeah, but yeah. But they were in a different league when I played. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So but I, yeah, your, your boyfriend's actually part of the reason why I went down there. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> Don't tell that to him. It'll blow his head up. <laughs> Yeah, so what drew you to Charlotte specifically? Did you know Ryan, or had you watched the team play and you were impressed by them? So the year at Canton, we had nine seniors. Mm -hmm. We had three juniors that were going to graduate early. We had one kid from Finland who signed pro, and then we had another kid leave um, just for family reasons. So that was 15 guys we were losing. And I was like, we really need to like hit the ground running. So as I'm before the year starting, I'm looking at different teams, and I look at Charlotte, and Charlotte's got three players committed to Utica, and he has a Gary, Dill, and Palomero, I believe at the time, yeah. and they were just coming off winning the national championship the year before, and I'm like, what are they like? What are they doing down there? Like, they must be doing something, right? Utica's a top five team in the country. They've got three guys on this team. 
I believe they had three or two or three on Hampton too. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I watched a little film and then I was super impressed. I called Ryan and I said, Hey, like I'm making it my goal this year to get two of your guys. So initially I wanted Tuttle and Barrow. Okay. Got Tuttle. And it's tough when like, you know, I'm like, how am I going to get these guys up to visit? 17 hours from Charlotte to Cannes. So those guys all, they had to drive all the way up there. And, um, you know, I give them props for just for being willing to wanting to do that because it's not easy. And Ryan was super helpful with me, like map, you know, like, you know, hey, this is what's you know, good about Tuttle. I think he'd be a good fit here. And he just worked with me really well, probably better than all the junior coaches that I've, I've dealt with. Like he was the most helpful and he was like, hey, they got to mispractice. Yeah, I'll send them like whatever, whatever you need to get them up there. I'll help. We also took Bailey Conklin that year. Okay, yeah. So Conklin was a local kid for us um, who I ended up – I saw him in the summer because we would do – there was a little, like, skill skate out of our rink. And I didn't even know where he ended up. And I was at a showcase to watch the Charlotte guys in person. And Conklin came up and talked to me after the game. And I was like, you know, one thing led to another. And I loved, uh, you know, his game is you could put him anywhere in the lineup and he was going to be effective. Like if he was in the first line – He'd be effective. If he's on the fourth line, he'd be effective. If he's killing penalties, if he's on the power play, you know, and he'll go through a brick wall for you. And he just brings the North Country, uh, like playing styles and something that we wanted there. So, you know, I ended up getting him. And there were some other guys too that I wanted, right? But I didn't get him that first year. But Toddle and Conklin, like, were really good for us the first year. So I'm like, okay, obviously this is where I'm going again. I'm going right back to Charlotte. And, that next year is when we got McCormick and we got Matthew Hedlund. Um, and Hedlund was Hedlund finished in Corpus. McCormick started in Corpus. Mm-hmm. I think I brought four other guys up too to come visit. But like it's just if you look back at all those guys and how effective they are in college, it's it's um, it's crazy because a lot of a lot of coaches like sometimes they look at tier three leagues and they're like, well, I'm not really going to recruit hard out of them, but like. Charlotte's always the first place I go. So, like, when I got the job at Arcadia, I'm like, who do you think the first team is I called, you know? Um, and it was Charlotte. And I have, you know, two guys right now. Uh, one in London, Strickler, who I think this is his fifth year playing there. And he's from, like, an hour away from me, so it was a perfect fit. And I got Hunter Price, who played there for two years. And, you know, I'm hoping to get more um, this year, too. So, but it's just like, I mentioned in another thing that I did that I have personally, as a college coach at a division three level, I think if you're not recruiting from the rush, you're already four years behind your time. So, but that's, uh, yeah, but I ended up, yeah, it's funny how it's crazy, uh, how small the world it is when I look at it and I'm like, the reason I went down there is because three guys from Utica are committed <laughs> down there. So. It is kind of funny. So I, I interviewed Zach Dill yesterday (laughs) and I was asking him I'm like okay how well how do you feel about being at the no I think the exact question was would your 10 year old self be proud of where you are now and he said yes and no and I asked why no and he said because he thought that he would be playing at a higher level than the USPHL which makes me laugh because they all say that every single one of them like Tyler said it Tuttle said it McCormick, Hetty, Barzy, like I can list them all off. They all want to play in the null and everything. And then you look at where they are today and like, it's like, okay, well, you've gotten there because you played for the rush. Like, obviously not all the rush, but like 
definitely helped in like McCormick going to um Corpus and like Tyler and Tuttle going to New Jersey to play in the Nall. Like those opportunities were provided from the rush. So yeah. I think like even though it might be a lower league, they work so hard on pushing players forward and getting you to where you should be and getting you the opportunity that you need that it's like, okay, well, I don't know. I just think it's such a great program. I do. And that, you know, that was one of the, one of the things and, you know, like when my boss and I were looking at that big class of 15. Yeah. And we're like, okay, we're going to have to take kids out of tier three. We're like, they need to, they need to A, play on, uh, a team that wins. So, boom, that's Charlotte. <laughs> they need to play on a team that is extremely well coached. Okay, boom, that's Charlotte. And then, they need to be like, one of the best players in the league. This was like our other thing. And like, that's why we target some of those, you know, the higher, I'll say their top six guys. Yeah. Right? But my, my first thing was like, I'm gonna get, in my opinion, I'm gonna get the best two players that I see right now. And that was Tuttle, and Barrow. So those were the why that I tried to go after those two guys. Um, and then they did the same thing the year after with McCormick, who was their captain, and, and Hetty, who ended up going to the North American League. But my thing is like, if you're a cat, like, like with those guys, if you can be like a f- top six guy at tier three level and be like the man, I like to say, like be like one of the guys. Yeah. I think playing in that role is more it is more beneficial for you as a player than playing like fourth line in and out of the lineup at the North American League level because like I, I tell kids this all the time like what do you want to be in college like do you want to be a top six guy in college well if you want to be a top six guy in college like you need to be in a setting where you're going to be a top six guy in juniors because mm-hmm. that's just that's just how I feel that's just my personal opinion and who knows I may be wrong but um, I've seen more benefits of guys doing that. Um, you know, if you look at some of the, the guys that come, come from there with, you know, like Tyler, Dill and, and, and Barrow, you know, McCormick, like those are guys that did play in the North American League, but they weren't like, you know, in the top six and they come down to the tier three level and now they are and they're playing in every situation. They're wearing a letter mm-hmm. and they're learning to be a leader. They're learning to be, hey, at the end of the day, Okay, like, hey, I need a goal. You guys go out there and score. Versus, like, limited minutes, lesser role. Like, yeah, I, I think there's so many benefits of playing in that league. And kids don't realize it. They're mesmerized by the bright lights of the North American League. Yeah. It's so crazy to me. No, I think you're right. Just like I said before that some of the top three – or, yeah, the top D3 schools can be better than, like, certain D1 schools. It's the same thing. Like, these top – Tier three guys are just as good as these like tier two, tier one guys. Kind of crazy. Um, definitely. Is there any other teams that you look to like that? I mean, yeah, yes and no. Like we originally looked at the Toronto Patriots back when uh, Dean was the head coach. John Dean was the head coach. Is now in the o- OHL for the Sioux Greyhounds. Mm-hmm. We took three guys from them. They were uh, Kyler Matthews, Max Rutledge, and Adam Petrick. Uh, they went on like, I don't remember what the statistic is, what they did. They either were on the team that had the most wins in a single season in the OJ or won the most consecutive games in the OJ. It was something like that. But like he was a coach that again was, you know, very detailed and very like just had his guys playing perfect and they win. So it was like the same kind of concept. But then he left to the, for the, for the OHL. So we, you know, we didn't really go there anymore. I mean, I usually do like to 
uh, like recruit pairs or recruit more than one guy from the same team. Yeah. Tier three wise, like I go to the um, New Hampshire Avalanche a lot in the uh, EHL because um, they usually always win. So I took we t- we took two guys in a row from there. Right now, what do I have? Oh, Metro, my old team, the Metro Jets. I've, I've started to go into there. Like, I never got anybody from Canton. They ended up going to some other schools, but it's a team I always go to because um, Justin Quenville there used to coach the North American League, and he runs a great program in Metro. Back when Thief River Falls and the SI had Cole Workman as their head coach, I'd go there. He was my best friend in college and to this day still is, and he did things right there and would, would always help me. So I would go there every year. But uh, I guess those would be kind of – the main ones, right? That really helped me out. There's some, some new ones that I'm trying to go, you know, look at like the New Jersey 87s here. They're local for me and they've, they've climbed the ranks pretty quickly in the EHL. Uh, the Rockets premier, again, very, very local to me. Jason Kilcoin, their head coach, uh, has done really good things there. You know, so we'll see. I mean, I think it always changes. You know, there's always trend, different trends that happen. Coaches move and go to different levels, and you really got to be on top of that. And that's what I've tried to see. I've tried to find, you know, those good tier three programs that have a track record of like winning and moving guys on. And I just try and be, I try to be ahead of the game. Well, thank you for coming on. You got anything else you want to touch on? No, I think that's it. I appreciate you, uh, you know, let me speak and talk about my career and, uh, good luck to you in the future with this. I have to buy a t-shirt. Yeah, gotta get one. <laughs> so good luck on the rest of your recruiting. Got some work ahead of you on that one. <laughs> yeah. And I'm excited to see what your team looks like next year. I appreciate that. Thank you. Go Knights. Yeah, hell yeah. All right, have a good day. Thank you.